When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies, like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together, we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. The NFL Draft is now officially open. This is draft season. John Schmoke, Tony Pauline with you. We are into November, the backstretch of the college football season. As we continue to look ahead to the 2024 NFL Draft. Go back to our previous episodes. We've done all of our offensive rankings and we've done our defensive line rankings. This week, we're on to linebackers. Tony has a master list that includes inside linebackers, outside linebackers, off-ball variety, and including some of those kind of smaller 3-4 edge rushers as well. So we'll get to all that and more on draft season. But Tony, before we do the position rankings, a couple of big-time games in, in college football over the weekend. Let's start with the SEC, Alabama and LSU. What were your major takeaways from that game? You know, I, I'm not a Jaden Daniels fan, if you will, but I'm impressed by his decision-making. I'm He's impressed. getting better. He's getting I'm better every week. He sees the field. And we talked about it early in one of these early podcasts about Malik Neighbors. And I said that Malik Neighbors' success and draft ranking will be associated with, you know, Jaden Daniels. And we've seen Jaden Daniels take off. I mean, he played, he had one bad interception late and they got smacked by Dallas Turner, which, uh, you know, that, that was a, that was a terrible hit. He was knocked out of the game, but you gotta like his decision-making. His accuracy is a, a bit of a concern to me. When I talk about the accuracy, the inability to say, you know, throw receivers free, if you will, the inability to lead receivers, you still see receivers adjusting for passes or reaching backwards. He's able to drop some dimes as we saw with Malik neighbors. I mean, late in that game, down the right-hand side, it was like a 30-yard pass. It was a beautiful pass. But, you know, I, I think you're really starting to see Jaden Daniels kind of jump. And we saw it last year, if you remember. The first half of the 2022 season, LSU was all over the place. Jaden Daniels got it together. He played well. They lost the game to Alabama. And it was back and forth until the very late part. But I think you got to like what you see from Jaden Daniels. Yeah, I think he's getting himself into day two conversation here, Tony. Like if a team wants to take him as a bit of a project with his athleticism and arm talent, I could see him being a, a, a third-round pick here. That wouldn't shock me. He's the type of guy, he goes to the Shrine game, he goes to the Senior Bowl, he has three good days of practice, he does some good interviews there. I could absolutely see that happening. And it's a, as we talked about, you know, it's a deep quarterback class, so there's going to be a lot of competition there. How about neighbors, Tony? Because I know, you know, these wide receiver rankings, a lot of people have guys in different spots. It would still not surprise me one bit if Neighbors is the second wide receiver off the board on draft day. I, I 
It wouldn't, but it's more so because after Marvin Harrison, right now it's a hodgepodge and it's anybody's guess. I mean, there are a lot of people who like Keon Coleman of Florida State for the second receiver. I think with that second tier of receivers and everybody else is second tier after Marvin Harrison. That's correct. It's going to come down to the testing numbers that we see at the combines and the pro day workouts. Uh, but, you know, neighbors, you know, he was solid last year. I think his game has taken off this year. Like him a lot. And you know, I sound like a broken record, but as we've seen time and time again, LSU receivers are better on Sunday than they are on Saturday. And Malik neighbors is playing real good football lately. Hey, look, and he just creates separation, right? You know, you mentioned Keon Coleman, Roma Dunzier is another guy that's kind of in the mix there for some people for the number two wide receiver. But for me, you watch Neighbors, I just think he separates and, and shows more burst than those other two guys. And we've talked about this before. You know, I think that in the end, and again, we can see if Egbuka gets back at some point and he puts himself back in that conversation too. He's been hurt. You know, I just think Neighbors has some of that explosiveness and suddenness that maybe the other guys don't as much that maybe NFL teams would gravitate towards. Like Jordan Addison, right? Jordan yeah. Addison was the biggest exactly. Guy. He wasn't the super fan, you know, he wasn't a, a 4-4 guy, but he was a great route runner who knew how to separate, who catches the ball well. And again, you know, you talk about the separation, even that over-the-shoulder catch down the sidelines that Jaden Daniels, uh, you know, uh, laid into his hands, got to track the ball, you got to know where the sidelines are, you got to use your body to, to shield away the defender, did a great job catching that deep pass. Doesn't drop butt passes, does not. He's a very reliable in terms of his hands. I'm with you on that 100%. Anyone else jump out to you, Tony, from that LSU-Alabama game on either side? I, I thought some of the Alabama defensive linemen did a good job. I mean, the uh, LSU offensive line isn't what it is in the past, but I think some of those prospects in the middle of that uh, Alabama defensive line played well. I didn't think the Alabama secondary, uh, Malachi Moore had you know had uh, had his moments, but I thought uh, you know though Jaden Daniels got got the better of what is a very talented uh, Alabama secondary. How did uh, your man uh, McClellan, the running back, look to you? It was okay. I, I mean, it was basically <laughs> the quarterback, Jade Mil uh, Milrose, actually ran the ball better uh, than McClellan. And, you know, you see uh, Milrose, he's he's more of a runner than he's a passer, but he got the job done. I thought McClellan was okay. I, I didn't think anybody on the uh, in that defensive front line for uh, LSU, I thought that was a disappointment. As we talked about last week, I mean, Mackie Wingo's not there. I'd be surprised if Mackie Wingo plays again for LSU. Underwent the sports hernia surgery. I think he's going to enter the draft. So that was a big, uh, a big loss, a big hit to the LSU defensive line. Yeah, and I, I watched for Mason Smith. He just didn't flash really much in the game to me. And a lot of people really like him. Yeah, uh, well, he's got the tools. He's got to see more production out of him. That's for sure. Uh, the other game in what continues to be just Pac-12 shootouts, Tony. Not a ton of defense being played out west this year between Oregon, USC, and Washington. Uh, this time it was USC and Washington, and it was just up and down the field, up and down the field, and a lot of passing and a lot of scoring. You know, it's funny because when we had Dane Brugler on, we were joking around about how, you know, Caleb Williams had come off a couple of bad performances. Everybody had written his obituary. They were throwing dirt on his coffin. And, you know, you look at the guy, I mean, he carries that USC team. The only thing is he can't play defense. and <laughs> USC can't stop anybody. You know, 30, 27 to 35 passing, 312 yards, three TDs. I mean, you just see the guy just gets it. He's Bryce Young in the sense of the way he sees the field, the way he knows what's going to happen before it happens, the way he's in tune with his receivers. It's just beautiful to watch. Not the biggest guy in the world, like Bryce Young, but, you know, just so much, so many special things about Caleb Williams. I was happy to see because 
people in sports get what's going on with Caleb Williams? What's going on with Caleb Williams? Caleb Williams is going to enter the draft, and he's going to be the first pick in the draft. Okay, there were a few bumps in the road, but, I mean, that, that USC offensive line is not what it is. The receivers are okay. They're not great. They're not Jordan Addison types, but a great performance by uh, Caleb Williams. Michael Penix had a decent game as well. I mean, through one bad interception, but he was able to respond. Michael Penix is going to be an interesting study leading up to the draft. You know, everybody watches those downfield throws, those great deep passes. But can he, you know, can he throw the underneath passes? Can he hit receivers as they're coming out of the breaks and be accurate? What's going to be the situation with his medical history? How are teams going to look at that upon that? And we're not going to know that really till draft weekend. Dan Penix is another guy. I mean, he's already, I think he's a grad student, right? I think he's already graduated. He can certainly go to the senior bowl too. And we'll probably see him. I imagine uh, in mobiles, he tries to make the case that he should be a first round pick. You know, there's a bunch of guys in the mix right now, Tony. I'll get to a couple more players in this game for a second, but we'll be talking quarterbacks. Are do you have, have you settled on your quarterback three yet, or are you kind of still up in the air in terms of who your number three quarterback? Because there seems to be a lot of varying opinions on there. People like Penix, people like JJ McCarthy, people like Shador Sanders. I know he it doesn't look like he's coming out, but right. uh, you know, there's a lot of different people in that mix if you look across kind of the draft spectrum. My number three quarterback is Shador Sanders right now. If he doesn't come out, my number three quarterback is going to be J.J. McCarthy, who I'm told is going to enter the draft and who's already getting first-round grades from scouts. So I think what's going to happen is Caleb Williams will be number one. Drake May will be a top-six pick. And then I think when it comes to McCarthy, you're probably looking at that middle round. He should probably go anywhere from 12 to 22. He could go earlier because there were just so many teams that will be looking for a quarterback in the first round. You know, we haven't mentioned Drake May's name. You just did. How close for you is he to Caleb Williams? Because I know people kind of have like a razor's edge between them, or or, or are you more definitive there? Uh, no, I, I mean, it was razor's edge coming into the season. And while I think Drake May has, has not played poorly, this year, I think Caleb Williams has just been spectacular, except for a few bumps in the road. And he plays in, really, the Pac-12 has been an outstanding conference this year. And he's come through, and you see the way that Caleb Williams carries that team on his shoulders, as opposed to Drake May. Uh, I have Caleb Williams. I think the spread would probably be about five or six picks. I don't think Drake May is going to be selected five or six picks after Caleb Williams. I think he'll be selected immediately after. There are two different types of quarterbacks. I mean, Caleb Williams is your RPO, mobile, outside of the pocket, off-platform throws where Drake May, who can run, who can easily make plays on the move, you know, can get outside of the pocket, but he's a bigger guy who's more your pocket passer. So it's going to be a matter of tastes when it comes. What does a team want? What does a team look for for their offense uh, come April? Not It's not a razor's edge. But Williams, I think my number two player on the board right now is Marvin Harrison. Then it's Drake May. Hey, you could argue that Harrison should be the number one player on the board, too, the way he's played this year. Um, talking to people around the league, last one on the quarterbacks, um, how many teams do you think have May ahead of Williams, or is it fairly universal that Williams is one? I, I was surprised. I thought that there would be some teams that had Derek uh, Drake May number one QB. I've yet to hear anyone that has okay. a quarterback over Caleb Williams. Now, again, I, I mean, if you're looking for the bigger, bigger, more prototypical pocket type passer, you may go with Drake May. But as of right now, 
I, I mean, the thing with Caleb Williams is he's just a special player on and off the field. He, we talked about this when we did the quarterback rankings. He's a dynamic personality. Last year with Bryce Young, it was Bryce Young was was a genius. I mean, that's that's the way they characterized him. They say that Caleb Williams is just a dynamic person, dynamic personality. You know, he came out a couple of quarters a couple of weeks ago, and he said, whatever team that drafts me, I want a piece of ownership of the team, you know, which isn't going to happen. And it seems like an outlandish statement, right? But, hey, why wouldn't you want a guy that wants a skin in the game, right? Why wouldn't you want a guy who, you know, wants to, you know, wants to, wants to make sure that, hey, I'm going to be with this team. I'm going to be a part owner of the team, which isn't going to happen. But it says something that, yeah, he's he's going to be vested into, into the next level. No, I absolutely agree. One of the I want to ask you about another Washington player, and then you can anybody else in that game you can. You know, we talked about three Washington wide receivers when we did our wide receiver rankings a couple of weeks ago. They've had some injuries, and a fourth Washington wide receiver has emerged, Polk, who's had some really big games, Tony. So I just want to kind of give you a chance to talk about what you think about Polk because he's had some big games since I think uh, McMillan hasn't really played the last couple of weeks with that injury. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, Paul, you, you, the thing with Polk is good receiver, good route runner. The thing with Washington, what you're going to have to kind of decipher is, is it the quarterback? Is it the receivers? Or is it the system? Because we've seen that time and time again where the system has made the quarterbacks uh, want to see how it plays out. I think right now you're looking still at a day three pick unless he tests off the charts. Once McMillan comes back, you're going to see Polk's uh, playing time diminish significantly. But again, another guy in the pipeline, and that's why Washington is undefeated and basically vying for a national championship or to get into the Final Four in the college football playoffs. Yeah, they played great. Anyone else from that USC-Washington game you want to touch on, Tone? No, I, I mean, the quarterbacks were fun to watch. You, you look at the defense, they really – uh, Zion, Zion Foodie, the, uh, the pass rusher, I thought did a decent job, got banged up, but came back, made some big plays in, in, uh, at timely moments. They were able to contain Braylon Trice, the pass rusher from Washington. Uh, I, I mean, it was back and forth really till the very end. Uh, I, I mean, it was like a pinball machine with, with the way the points go, went, went up on the board. The, uh, USC receiver Taj Washington had a decent game. Brendan Rice also played relatively well, but you're talking about, you know, day three picks. I mean, these are guys who have their numbers and are made so much better by the quarterback, Caleb Williams. All right, let's get to the rankings. Now we'll go to linebackers, Tony. I'm going to, the first couple guys are, are more of your edge rusher type. So let's start there. I'll do a couple other guys from that kind of grouping, and then we'll hit the rest. Dallas Turner and Jared Verse are your two, you know, kind of locked in first rounders in this group. How much separates them? How are they different? I watched both guys this morning. I don't think a ton separates them to me. They're both kind of, I think, between 10 and 20-ish type of picks if you watch them. Um, your thoughts on those two guys, and then I'll kind of give you my take. Uh, you know, I think it would be a detriment to Dallas Turner just to characterize him as an edge rusher. That's what he's doing now. But go back and watch the 2021 film when he was basically used off the line of scrimmage in space as an off-ball linebacker. And you can tell back then when he was a true freshman, I wrote about it, that this guy had some special talent. So I give Turner the edge because I think he's a better athlete. I think he's more versatile than Jared Verse. I think he's a guy on third and five. You can send him up the field on the blitz or you can even play him off the tight over the tight end and he'll do a decent job for you in coverage. Jared Verse, outstanding story. Transfers from University of Albany in New York to Florida State. Makes an immediate impact. The guy's a terrific pass rusher. Not as athletic, not as fast, 
going to be interesting to see how fast he times at the combine. I'm hearing in the mid four sevens. And while that's not bad, that's not the four five fives that we're seeing now, you know, these sort of undersized college defensive end pass rushers, uh, you know, run at the combine. I think they're different types of players. Like you said, verse, I think is more your traditional three, four outside linebacker. Turner, I have rated higher because I like his versatility, more athletic, covers a lot more area. You can, you know, you run his own blitz, you can drop him in space, you can line him up over the tight end, or you can send him up the field. Yeah, well, I'll give you some of my notes on verse. Um, good, not elite athlete, which is kind of what you just talked about right, with, with, with the testing. His hands are great. Like he he gets hands on these offensive tackles. He knocks them away. He's that great rip move. Even though he's not an elite athlete, he uses his hands well to create room off the edge to kind of get around the edge on some of these guys. Good burst explosiveness. He finishes well, and he's got power, Tony. This guy will put offensive tackles on a track and just push them into the quarterback's lap. And I think he does that fairly consistently. He does. The only thing is, is going to be a little bit different. You know, he's he goes, what, 253, 20 yep. pounds? A lot tougher see- in the NFL to do that, right? Exactly. Then, 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 then doing with tackles in the ACC. So, you know, I, I think that's why I have Dallas Turner rated higher. Because like you said, you don't see that great speed from Jared Verse. He's not a guy, in my opinion, that at the next level, if you send him up the field, he's going to be able to change direction and pursue from the backside and catch the ball handler from the backside, which is really what you want. Uh, or you want to have that ability to do that. Yeah, for me, Dallas Turner, I thought he had a great – he has a great quick inside move, man. He'll go outside, he'll get inside really fast and get to the quarterback. I'm honestly surprised, based on what I agree is very strong athleticism, Tony, he doesn't really go after the edge of the offensive tackle as much as I would think. Like, you don't see a lot of those, you know, just win off the edge, get underneath the offensive tackle, dip and rip. You know, he almost uses his length more, and he's a long player. I think he does a good job with that, so – I like he he flashes it, but I like to see a little bit more consistency of getting on that edge and just challenging with what I think is athleticism that's good enough to do it to win outside more consistently. But then again, maybe that's Alabama, right? Maybe that's Saban telling them stay in your lane. We don't want you to get too far outside. So I, it's a kind of tough thing to balance. It could be that. It could also be just inexperience as an edge rusher because, like yes. I said, go back and watch the 2021 film when they had Will Anderson there. He wasn't rushing the edge. He was playing in space and doing a good job of it. So maybe it's just more the fact that I would agree with what you said. I mean, if it's basically gap assignments and responsibilities that Nick Saban wants him to do, that could be the issue. Or it could be that he's just an undeveloped pass rusher and he's really got to develop his that area of his game more as opposed to the guy who was a true freshman was basically running all over the field in coverage and pursuit, making plays 10 and 15 yards off uh, off the ball rather than just basically being used up at the line of scrimmage. Yeah, and that to me was holding him back from being a locked top 10 pick. Like in the last few games, if he can really get more consistent with that, I think he can vault himself into that top 10 area. All right, I'm going to, we're not going to go in order here. I'm going to jump to a couple of guys that I would more consider edge players, Tony, and then we'll get more to the off ball guys. Um, those are your first two. Number five on your list. We talked about Chop Robinson. Well, his running mate on the other side is Adisa Isaac. And that's a guy that does challenge the edge, right? I think almost to the point where he's almost like a one-trick pony. He's win outside, win outside, win outside. He's constantly trying to win with his speed around that edge. Primarily coming out of a three-point stand, six foot four, 250 pounds, athletic, explosive, expected to run under four six during uh, you know, pre-draft testing. Yeah, he's and fast. They- a guy who is, you know, he's going to have to learn more versatility in his game because you watch uh, Penn State 
as I said, primarily comes out of a three-point stance. As you said, just takes those wide angles around the pass rushers. Now he's got to learn. He's probably going to have to learn to, to uh, stand up over tackle at the next level. Going to have to learn to drop off the line in playing space. He has the athleticism. I like his intensity, too. He's a go, go, go type of player. You know, yep. no let up in, in uh, Adisa Isaac. And there is a lot of talent on that uh, Penn State defense, as we've talked about in the past, as we'll talk about today. So there's a lot of competition there. And the fact that he's uh, probably practicing and taking a lot of reps against Fashanu in, in practice the past couple of years has also helped him. Undeveloped, your your prototypical undersized college defensive end who's going to have to learn to stand up over tackle doesn't always work out because sometimes a lot of you to come out of a three point stance, but he's going to have to learn more to develop his game. He's one of those guys that has got great potential, and I think you know early on you may see him as a situational player. Right now, I have a second round grade on him. Yeah, listed at six four two fifty. We'll see what he is when he eventually measures up here. Last edge guy I want to touch on with you, Tony. Someone you mentioned. When we were talking about the Washington-USC game, that's Braylon Trice. I really like watching this guy. His motor's lit on fire. He's always going 100 miles per hour. Now, I don't see that elite athleticism, which would push him into the first round. But, man, he gets inside a lot. He's very strong. He's powerful. He's going to be a really, really good NFL player. I'm just not sure how high the ceiling is. And I also think... You know, you have him here as an outside linebacker because that's how they use him in Washington, right? He's a stand-up guy all the time. I think in the NFL, he could be a three-point stance guy. I think he's strong enough to set the edge to me. Not only strong enough, probably big enough. Six three and yeah. a half, 170 pounds. And he's probably going to put on more weight before he takes it off. So I agree with you. The only thing about Trice that concerns me is, you know, I just mentioned it. He's kind of streaky. I mean, you'll see him make a couple of plays and, and blow uh, blow the game up, and then he disappears. So I think, you know, going back to Isaac, Adisa Isaac, he's got to develop his game. He's got great upside potential. He's got decent size. And you're right about the uh, the athleticism. Uh, well, you're looking at a 40 time. It's probably not going to get under, under 4.7. But if he's 6'3 and a half, 270, 275 pounds, and he runs in the mid 4.7s, you've got a very athletic or very quick a defensive end there in a four-man front who could occasionally stand over tackle. I like his fundamentals. I like the way he uses his hands. Yeah. You talk about the fact, you know, he go, goes, 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 plays with a nasty streak, really looks to attack attack opponents. Excuse me. The streakiness with Trice does concern me on occasion, though. Yeah, what I like is that he'll face a lot of double teams, Tony, and a lot of players, and you see this at the NFL level, when you run into two guys at the line, they'll just kind of tap out and they're like, all right, I'll hold here. I'll occupy the guys. But he still tries. Like he'll bounce off one, try to get around the other one. He'll try to run through the middle. He, he, even though he gets doubled, he still really puts that effort in to try to get after the quarterback, which I like. And again, I, I think it's a mentality at Washington, especially on defense. You know, we talked about all the talent that, that they have at the receiver position, but we talked about some of, you know, they've got a, a Zion uh, Tupula Fatui, who's, Rated much lower down the uh, scale, was a dynamic player early in his career before injury set him, and he struggled, although he's still a good player. We talk about, you know, the Penn State defense. Uh, Washington's got a lot of good defensive players uh, in that front seven, have some players in secondary too, so there's a lot of competition there. So you better be on your game every snap because there's a guy behind you that's ready to take your spot. Yeah, the results for that Washington defense just haven't been there so far on the field in terms of actually keeping – Points off the board. All right, let, let's go, Tony, to some of your off-ball guys. Your top two, you kind of have them pretty close to each other in your rankings. Curtis Jacobs from Penn State and Barrett Carter from Clemson, both kind of your more traditional old-school 4-3 outside backers. And I may have them rated higher than most, especially Curtis Jacobs. 
I've talked to scouts who have him graded as a mid first round pick. I have talked to scouts who have him graded as a uh, third round choice. I am just more of a traditionalist. And when I see a guy like Jacobs, who's 6'2", 235, runs and plays in the mid to low four fives, outstanding in pursuit, terrific in coverage, covers a lot of area. You know, everybody loves the pass rushers these days, but you need those off the ball guys on third and six that can stay downfield with the tight ends, with the running backs, and do a good job when the ball is in the air. And that's what Jacobs has done for three years. I mean, it's not he's not just a one-year wonder. He was a guy that three years ago you started to take notice of. <laughs> Excuse me. He was a guy who really considered entering last year's draft. I have him as a potential late first-round choice. I think with Jacobs, it's more that, you know, quarterback's a priority. The pass rush is a priority. It's not a great pass rush, but they don't need him to be a great pass rusher because they got a decide Isaac and they got Chop Robinson up front. He does the little things very well, stacks well against the run, fires up the field, builds those gaps and run defense. I just like his complete game as, you know, your traditional 4-3 outside linebacker, if you will. And that's what Barrett Carter's like. I mean, he's a guy who goes sideline to sideline, very athletic. Remember Trenton Simpson from a year ago? Everybody loved Trenton Simpson. I look at Barrett Carter as a guy who's got more instincts than Simpson. He's sort of similar, undersized type of run-and-chase linebacker. He's a guy, if you watch the film, sometimes he's 20, 25 yards downfield in coverage, makes plays with ease, like his athleticism. But again... You know, he doesn't, he's not the prototypical six, three and a half, 245 pound pass rusher. But, you know, teams need those off the ball linebackers. We've seen a lot of times where teams are now taking oversized college safeties and taking and making them linebackers. Simpson is an undersized linebacker, but a real good football player with outstanding instincts. Absolutely. Barrett Carter, they're out of Clemson. Then you have a couple inside linebackers here, Tony, coming in. And let's see, that would be six and seven on your list. Cedric Gray and Junior Colson. Cedric Gray, inside linebacker from North Carolina. Junior Colson, inside linebacker out of Michigan. Cedric, Col- uh, Cedric Gray of uh, North Carolina is a lot like Curtis Jacobs. You know, he's he's used more up the field by North Carolina, but he's a smart, instinctive guy. He goes very hard. He's athletic, covers a lot of area on the field, can be used in coverage, has a versatile game, not a bad pass rusher. They don't ask him to rush the passer too much, but a guy who – you know, goes hard every every down. He's smart, plays through injuries, really like his game. Junior Colson, who I'm told is going to enter the draft from Michigan, his production has been way off this year, and it's going to be interesting to see what happens with him. He's a day-two pick. I thought he was a guy who could hop into the top 42 if he had a good season. The production's down. <laughs> Excuse me. He's not playing badly, which basically means, you know, it may be a product of the system. But he's got excellent size. He's very athletic. I think with Colson, to really get a full view of what he's capable of, you got to watch last year's film as well as this year's film. But last year's film, the production was really there. And you got to find out, you know, is it a system where, is it a situation where he's just asked to remain with certain assignments, you know, basically not run after the ball? And that's why the production, that's why the numbers aren't there this year. Uh, let's go to Jeremiah Trotter. He's your next. Yeah. Uh, inside linebacker here. I have not watched him yet this year. I have my notes from last year. I really liked him in coverage, Tony, as a player. I thought he did a good job. He was very aware in zone. thought he blitzed pretty well. Explosive guy. Fast, can run sideline to sideline. You know, you look at his size, it's not surprising. Just 230 pounds. Just didn't think he was assertive enough, assertive enough in the run game. What have you seen from him so far this year? Well, I, I'm going to agree with you on the zone. I'm going to disagree with you. I, I mean, I think he's more of a two-down run defender for the next level. Okay. He doesn't, uh, you know, he, he doesn't show the ability to play man. Had a great game this past weekend 
against Notre Dame, if you watched that game, had a uh, actually had an interception, which he returned for a touchdown, which turned out to be uh, the game winner. I think they won by eight points, uh, Clemson over Notre Dame. But he's smart. Obviously, he's got the great bloodlines, and he plays like he's got great bloodlines. You say 230, he plays like he's 245 pounds. I think he is your you're probably your most natural inside middle linebacker type of, of this year's group. All right. Anybody else from this group, Tony, that you want to touch on? Let me let me hit one school first. Uh, Ohio State is a bunch of guys on this list. Uh, Jack Sawyer, Steel Chambers, Tommy Eichenberg. You kind of have them all in that rounds three through five area. And they're all different types of players. Jack Sawyer is more your three, four stand up guy over tackle who's going to rush the pass. It doesn't do a bad job against the run, underclassmen, uh, a, a guy who's very fierce, has been okay this year. I, I think they were expecting more of him. Tommy Eichenberg is your toughest nails, middle linebacker type, great run defender. Doesn't do a bad job down the field in coverage. Steel Chambers isn't a great athlete, but when you watch him, he looks like more the off-the-ball type of linebacker, a guy who makes a lot of plays in space, a guy who makes a lot of plays in pursuit. I'm told he's going to run the four sevens, but you watch the film and sometimes he's 25 yards downfield making plays and coverage. I think Sawyer is a possible day two pick. I think Eichenberg is more fourth round choice. I think Steel Chambers depends on how he runs. If he runs very well, he could be an early fourth round choice. If he runs, as scouts are telling me in the mid to late four sevens, he's more of your later round pick. All right. Anybody else from this group, Tony, that you want to highlight? Look at Edgerin James of Texas A&M. I mean, this is a guy whose game has really taken off this year. He's a fierce pass rusher. Who's Edgerin Cooper. Edgerin Cooper. You said Edgerin James. Of Texas A&M, who's played really well this year. His, his game is really elevated. Been a, a real good pass rusher. Terrific run defender. He's shown a lot of ability in pursuit. You're looking at a day three guy there. Danny Stutzman of Oklahoma. Underclassman, who I'm told is going to enter the draft. Uh, was got a little bit dinged up with an ankle injury a couple of weeks ago, but a guy who flies around the football, more of your middle linebacker type. When we're in uh, in Mobile for the senior ball, I'm sure we're going to see Javon Solomon of Troy, who is a sort of your 3-4 outside linebacker pass rusher type, incredibly uh, explosive, very intense, goes very hard, makes a lot of plays behind the line of scrimmage. And for you and I, a local guy, Tyreen Powell of Rutgers, who was not on the field Saturday against Ohio State, but he's got excellent size, six foot four, 245 pounds. Despite that size, he plays like a weak side linebacker type in the sense that he covers a lot of area on the field. He shows a lot of ability and coverage, goes sideline to sideline, makes a lot of plays in pursuit. I have a fifth round grade on Powell right now, but I believe if he, if he tests well and does, does well in the postseason at the Shrine Bowl, at the Senior Bowl, whichever one he's invited to and is able to play if he's healthy, I think he's a guy who could watch his draft stock take off. All right, Tony, just let, let, let's close here with kind of your general overview of this linebacker class. What do you think of it? Is it a strong class, a deep class? What do you, what's your overview of the linebacker group? Well, obviously a lot has to de depends on which underclassmen come out because I mean, you're looking at, when I look at my list here, Jared Verse senior, uh, Curtis Jacobs, uh, senior, Adisa Isaac senior, Cedric Ray senior, uh, Braylon Trice Sr., I've got 12 linebackers, edge rushers, whatever you want to call them, as day one or day two picks, but only four of them are seniors. Overall, I like the class because I think it's a situation where if you need a bigger guy as a 3-4 outside pass rusher, they'll be available to you. 
if you need your more traditional off-ball weak side linebacker, they will be available to you. There's no Will Anderson in this year's group, but I like the versatility and I like the selection because you got good athletes who can rush the passer, who can who can play in coverage, who can pursue against the run. So I think overall it's a very solid group. And Tony, before we wrap, just another really good weekend of college football here. You know, the parity this year, you don't have, I think, you know, uh, as many dominant teams at the top. You get Penn State, Michigan should be a really yeah. good game. Florida State, Miami, you have some players to watch there. Washington, Utah, another one of those Pac-12 games. Tennessee, Missouri is a good game. Georgia, Ole Miss should have some players in there to keep an eye on. Just a lot of good matchups. LSU, Florida, just it, it should be another fun Saturday. USC, Oregon, I forgot to mention that one. I, I mean, from a pro prospect point of view, there are going to be a lot of matchups to keep an eye on. From a college football point of view, I mean, this could be separation Saturday. This could be a situation where we see one of those teams in the top five, except for Ohio State, uh, you know, really go down and lose their first game and and really struggle to get back into the college football playoffs. But, I mean, a lot to watch this weekend. And, you know, it's going to it's gonna continue to build, especially that first Saturday after uh, after Thanksgiving when you get the rivalries and you'll get some big matchup game, matchups. Keep an eye on this. If Chop Robinson doesn't play for Penn State this week, I think he's done at Penn State. He's going to enter the draft. He had that bad concussion against Ohio State. It was kind of scary watching him uh, being carted off the field. Uh, you know, the coach, James Franklin, said, you know, we're not going to have him for a while. Penn State loses against uh, loses against Michigan. They're done. I, I mean, their hopes, uh, they're, they're probably done anyway because lost to Ohio State. But they're, they're definitely done if they lose to Michigan. Chop Robinson doesn't play. I think it could be a situation like Mekhi Wingo of LSU. We may, may not see him back on the field for Penn State this season. And we'll see about Brock Bowers, too. We're tracking that injury to see if he's going to get back on the field. You mentioned, Joy, Tony, you think he's going to try. And we'll see what ends up happening with uh, Brock Bowers, too. Another, you know, potential high draft pick that that's yes. dealing with an injury. Tony, good stuff, my friend. Always a pleasure. We'll talk to you next week when we do uh, DBs. Look forward to it, John. For Tony Pauline, I'm John Schmelk. This was draft season. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in! Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it! Um, Tanner Girl Go Shopping. Yeah, baby! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.